What's going on? It's CJ, the Day Slayer from the Upgrade America podcast. As you guys probably have heard, Kobe Bryant, the legend, uh, five-time champion from the Los Angeles Lakers, has died since Sunday morning. Him and his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, as they affectionately call her, as well as seven others um, in a helicopter crash. Um very hard news to hear um hopefully those families get time to heal it's going to take a while but thoughts and prayers and thanks for everything kobe also it is a new lunar year of the rat which means wealth and surplus so hopefully wishing the best for everybody this year and enjoy the show. Peace. Don't stop, don't quit, have faith, ignore the haters. Don't rush, take it day by day, stay woke but keep on dreaming. Do you What's up, world? I'm Cameron Ra, host and executive producer of Upgrade America, the greatest show on earth. I'm pleased to be over here with CJ the Day Slayer. What's happening, bro? Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, we in the house. In the house. It's going to be a fire episode, man. Really excited. I can breathe much uh, better without that mask on. So, I guess... um, CJ, you put me on the show, the popular show on Netflix, Messiah. And I've heard a lot of controversy is involved with this show. Muslims hate it. Christians hate it. Didn't really get the insight from any Jewish people yet, but it seems to incorporate all of these uh, Abrahamic religions in this show. And yeah. You, you encouraged me to watch it, and I finally did, and I was actually, um, I was quite pleased, man. And I, I kind of want to bounce some questions at you on, on this show. Okay. Overall, what's your general thoughts on, on the show? 
Oh man, I love the show. It just made you think. It made you question things, what you believe and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I really liked it. Um, it does take you paying attention. It's one of those shows you cannot not, you'll miss something, you're messed up. You don't know what's going on. So it's very- man, it's I, admit, I probably missed uh, a bunch because I was like multitasking and, and yeah. I do have a, a pretty good understanding of, of what's going on. Yeah, but, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, let me let me throw one at you. Okay. How do you think the world would react to a person performing miracles? Actually, no. I think I revised that question. Yeah. I'm gotcha. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So, how do you think the federal government will handle the discovery? And by discovery, I mean undeniable to the public of a supernatural and or extraterrestrial being. Like, I really like the show because it kind of, it gave the scenario of how, the, you know, sovereign nations would react to such an encounter. But how do you think it would really go down? Um, If anybody hasn't seen this show, I mean, we're going to spoil it pretty much. So, uh, yeah. spoiler alert, spoiler alert. But I think, Pretty much how they responded is pretty much how we would. Um, but I would, I think we gotta take a step back and try to understand and accommodate versus examinate and like imprison or whatever. Or I think I think we could try to take a different approach. Um. So I I kind of beg to differ. Okay. And I, I made this analogy several times how the Roman Empire was kind of equivalent to America, how America is today. Like the Roman Empire is the superpower. We are the superpower. And studying the Bible, I have the theory that Jesus was killed for national security. Like um, this man was raising people from the dead. He was walking on water. A lot of, he was doing a lot of the things that Messiah is not the story of Jesus, not a modern version of Jesus, but there are a lot of similarities. And mm-hmm. um, just the fact that supernatural things that that men cannot explain, and that was out of control of the, the Roman Empire, they were like, "This guy got to go." But um, or that, at least that's just my theory. But I, and I think it would be very similar to uh, how that would be in in modern times. You really got to think. Is we we see movies like uh, you know the Avengers and stuff like that, but. The Avengers, they are rivaling the power of the federal government. Like, Thor could just, like, flick tanks off with his fingers. And I don't think that would make the government very uncomfortable. True. And um, I think even a a man of of the, how do you say, from Messiah, Mm -hmm. like, that raising the dead and, and, and doing all these miracles, like, I think that would make... It would it would be a threat to national security because if one could do so supernatural feats like that, what could they do <laughs> offensively? Okay, so I'll push back a little bit real quick and then we'll go through our questions. So I could say I can make the argument that Jesus just wanted to live his own life another way, and people were cool with that, and the Roman Empire wasn't cool with that because it didn't fall in line like sheep, as a citizen. Uh, as the citizens would say, like, man, I like what this dude's doing. Why not try this? I mean, it can't be any worse than what we're doing now. Well, and then basically else, they took him out. 
Well, from a leadership perspective, like it disrupted. And granted, there are a lot of historically, there are a lot of Jewish revolts within mm-hmm. the Roman Empire. But this particular one, um, it, it really disrupted things and in the mindset of, of, of this powerful deity. But um, I don't know. I, I, I would say if real terms, this guy would end up in Area 51 under a scalpel. <laughs> You know, <laughs> like yeah, studying him, like how is he doing these these miracles, like you know, or they would do their very best to recruit him under you know un, under under yeah, our banner. Yeah, you know? keep our enemies closer, right? But it, it's difficult to say. Yeah. But yeah, right. was, overall, I think it was a great show. Let's jump into these questions, man. Okay. I think you uh, go ahead. Shoot one at me. Um, as president, how? Would you have met with the Messiah, the character in the uh, in the in the story? Well, that's a very great question. And again, as we mentioned, we're spoiling this whole show. So if you haven't seen it, like I don't know what to say. You should maybe you should skip over this part. But yeah. like, um, you you notice how when he had he interacted with people, right? Mm-hmm. He seemed to go very deep inside their psyche, really yes. deep inside their head. Yeah. And we're talking about intelligence agents, trained uh, CIA agents, and um, FBI. I think it's uh, everybody. Was the guy? His Homeland Security was the other yeah, guy. Sorry. Yeah. Then, okay. um, yeah. The the Israeli guy was uh, was it Mossad? I Some think sort it's, of uh, yeah. terrorism uh, cell from Mossad. And hmm. these are hard people, individuals. You know, they're psychological. You have to be. They do advanced psychological screening to work in our intelligence agencies and in even abroad and these guys were he was making them crack and um i like to think my mind is very strong very solid but at the same time taking that information in i would meet with him just out of curiosity and also just to see if i could see through the disguise or or, or you know yeah i would meet with him okay would you, I asked a little quick follow-up question. Do you think by you meeting with him in person would show weakness in your administration from a leadership standpoint? Not at all. It's um, the, the manner of clout that he had and followers, to some extent, he's a leader. As, you know, president of the United States, leader of the free world. Like it's it's only right that I meet with someone on a, a similar caliber. So it's not a matter of weakness. Like when you start negotiating, and you know, and leaning one way or the other, then yeah, that's weakness. But just saying, hey, what's up? Oh, this is what you're about. I'll give you a little bit of my time. I see nothing wrong with that. Okay, hit me. I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> 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 okay. So do you? Spoiler alert again. Do you really think? Global military withdrawal will usher in world peace. And I have a follow-up question Okay. as well. Can I leave some small intel and counterterrorism teams in place abroad? Well, this was very interesting. We went back and forth about this, so we're going to have another episode about actually withdrawing. So stay okay. tuned for that. But this is like a quick like trailer on what we're going to talk about. Um... I don't see why not, because I put it in this aspect. 
what we're doing so far, how how has that helped? Is there still a need for that expanse of a presence um, globally, America-wise? Like, is that still really needed? Is it obsolete based on technology, globalization, um, things of that nature kind of make the world smaller as we see. So I'm looking at it like, why not? Now the logistics part of it, I can see be heavily a challenge. That's a lot of shit to do. To move out? Print. Yes, to actually withdraw everything from all our overseas bases, mm -hmm. that would be crazy. Like I can understand that would probably take a couple years, like total. I think we could do it in a couple years, honestly. It's not a matter of the time frame. Do you think it would usher in world peace? I think, yes, over time, I do think there will be some chaos, there'll be some fighting, skirmishes, all that will pop off though. That is gonna happen, it's so just now. just let whoever decides to take power out, we just let fighting, whatever, turn our backs, as long as it's not on American shores, you think? What's the difference between now and what, what, what would happen then? We do that stuff now, don't think, that the federal government does not turn a blind eye to certain situations like it oh, happens indeed it does when it's not in our interest but i mean let's just say things are in our interest mm -hmm. like um i don't know russia invades because who and i could totally geographically be butchering this but didn't <laughs> russia take some territory from someone like I don't know, recently? I think Russia and Ukraine, be, they battle a lot. Now, what happened in, in Georgia and things of that nature, it's yeah. like, if that occurs, the probability occurs for them or another nation to take other territory from, from other nations. That's always a possibility. But uh, particularly when there's no, um, when the United States is showing you know, like they really don't want to stop or prevent it. So I don't know. I asked you another question real quick. We already had that in place. You said something about leaving small uh, intelligence mm -hmm. units or something. We already pretty much have that in place. That's CIA, CIA black sites and stuff like that. Eh, well, s small is a um, it's a relative term. You know, <laughs> I mean, maybe. we already have that. I'm not saying that's. No, I'm like saying if we're gonna total military withdrawal. That's and military. Hold up. That's, that's military. That's not military. Counter-terror. Well, here's the thing. Special operations verge on the CIA works very close with spec ops. So mm -hmm. what I'm what I'm suggesting is, yes, let's take out all the tanks. Let's take out all, all the planes. Let's put full military withdrawal, whatever. But you got to allow me to beef up those spec op teams and those intel intelligence gathering teams. I would I would say we less is more. Leave so civilians so they're not military, civilian paramilitary, counterterrorism teams, and you know some spooks gathering intel. They're not military, so I, I would. Still well, that's the point them. I was making. No, I'm saying would that be acceptable? And you think it would still permit for world peace? I think that's only the natural thing we would do anyway, making a move like that. We're gonna do that. We're gonna have a fail-safe contingency plan. That's just how we operate. So, wow, I never you know, thought I'd see the day where, where me and Chris meet eye to eye on geopolitics. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just cool. saying, I'm keeping it I'm, real. I mean, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm really cool with that approach. All so, right. Um, 
Is it should I shoot one at you? I'll shoot yeah. one back at you. Oh, um, let's. I'll, I'll just throw this one at you. Okay. Do you believe the miracles transcending our knowledge of physics, or would you be dubious? Like, remember whenever he performed a miracle, there's all these people trying to pick it apart. Like, oh, we didn't see the muzzle flash, so maybe the boy didn't get really get shot, or yeah. you know, this, that, and the third, or I don't know. Like, would you, would you believe if you've seen it with your eyes, you've seen it with yeah. your own eyes right in front of you? Would you be trying to pick it apart because your brain couldn't comprehend it because it's a miracle and yeah. you know, miracles don't really. I, I I think you have to human nature. You got to be skeptical. Knowing how we are, very skeptical. But I can also, and my mom <laughs> probably would laugh. She heard this. I do believe in things you cannot explain. My mom says, "Oh, you're so scientific." Blah blah blah. I'm like, no, like. I am aware of those things you cannot explain. I'm fine with that. I just rather well, that's try to only because we lack the the data. We lack the knowledge. I'm very sure. confident if you had infinite amount of time, you can investigate any type of uh, so-called miracle, and then you could find a, a an explanation in accordance with laws of physics. And if it's not, then there's most likely a law of physics that we haven't discovered or, or come across yet. But that's why that. I'm like, <sighs> being a big fan of the Bible, I'm not a Christian, but I do love the book. Lots of sex and war and <laughs> genocide, all that, all that good stuff. Seriously, I think they should make it into a movie. Yeah. Bigger than Star Wars. But like, reading the, you know, reading the defeats about Jesus walking on the water and him turning water into wine and... In my heart, like, yeah, I want to believe it, and I believe that he, it that he did it. Like, these things could be done, but there are what's the best way to say that I, as a, a mere mortal, do not understand the the bounds of this reality. Like, sure, we have physics, but there are things beyond that that you know that may transcend physics and and allow for for miracles to occur. I would struggle with it seeing it with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very. I would try to pick it apart, but then maybe I would reach a point where, like, yo, you're smart, but you don't know everything, and there's just things you can't uh, you can't explain yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna hit you. Um, did the show make you question how you see religion, politics, and society? Um, not so much question, but it, it solidified some of um. You know, okay. solidified some of the beliefs that I had before, and I actually imagined doing the show, you know, like more like Jesus in modern times, and this was the best depiction of that. Mm, but okay, did it um question how um I'm gonna say no, but it did provide a a a, a good example on how what it would take for all religions to unite. And it was something that I believed before was that the belief in one God. Like mm -hmm. when I was in Iraq, I asked my interpreter, like, yo, like, so the Bible, I'm sorry, if the Quran was translated into English, what would be the name of, no, I said, if the Bible was translated into Arabic, what would be the name of God? And he's like, Allah, of course. And I'm like, so it's like, the same you guys are praising the same god you're all worshiping the same being you know mm -hmm. and it's um 
that was demonstrated in in the show mm-hmm. and that he was really preaching like yeah you know you have your scriptures and all that but he's, he's focused on god and i don't know it it was really insightful i look forward to season two really okay cool. i got him to watch something <laughs> got me to watch quite a few films and, and shows by the way uh what was that other one designated survivor yeah just sat on another one yeah but yeah that was uh that was the messiah great um great show on netflix i suggest you check it out yeah and um perhaps it's something uh one of our our, our viewers would like to discuss in the future yeah what Speaking else you got fits, thanks everybody for watching and you know we're a little late with the with the appreciation and all that. Oh <laughs> yo! Shout out to Guernsey. Um, it's its own island. They're new audio listeners. Um, it's yeah. I'm doing and a little. That's off the coast of uh, the UK. Yeah, but they're independent. They like they're their own entity. So but they're, they're not. In the, they're not in the UK. No, it's weird. It's like they're, it's a very fascinating little place. And it's like, I think French and British culture blended. Okay. And um, it's a fascinating place. I've never heard of it. Now, I'm going like, to ask my cousin about that. He lives in that, in that region. Shout out to Marcus. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. that's, I love it every time we get a new country on the map. It's, it's really, um, it's Unique showing place. that we're broadcasting around the world. And that's really awesome. We appreciate you guys and Gurney. I think it's Port St. George or Point St. Something, like the main hub. Um, and then we had a few other states too. I think Maine. Thank you. Um, who is it? Who else was it? Uh, I forgot. We'll we'll shout it out. Yeah, no doubt. And maybe post some uh, some screenshots too. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, so what we say we're discussing next is the Ancestry.com. Yeah, I think so. Yes. So I was, um, this is a really cool topic because um, it's, it's so much to say. Like, I found my my long lost family through uh through Ancestry.com. You know, like yeah, I, I, found my I haven't met my uh, my biological family, but this was uh, I met them through through the site and. And on top of that, just getting the results back, it gave some insight on where I'm from. Like you, you, you grow up and then you, you have friends that are like, yo, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm Dominican, I'm Italian, or I'm, I'm part German or something like that. And they know their, their heritage, they know their roots. But you know, as African-Americans, you know, we, we are all jumbled up and you know, our, our cultures got mixed up and we have no knowledge of besides Africa. That's all we know. It's like, oh, well, you're, you're African-American. It's, Africa's a continent. It's, it's yeah. not a, uh, you know, it, it's very broad. So to get this information back was very insightful, very surprising yeah. as well. But let me throw a question at you, man. All right. What was the biggest surprise on your ancestry results? Um, I found my sister. Uh... That's awesome. Yeah, I found a long time. Another feeling, man. Another feeling. Yeah, and I remember the experience just like, I looked, and I looked at like, you know, it was like a few people popped up because my mom did it. I think my grandpa did it. And then maybe my grandma did it. And then I seen like three other people that was really close. And it was like, I don't know. What did they say, um, what did it say for for your sister? Because my brother popped up on 
they had some that said to Jessica's cousins. Mine yeah. said something yeah. like very close relative. Yeah, that's a mindset too. And I was like, but I looked at like the, you know how they measure like how close they are to you or whatever. And I looked at that, I said, and it just, but what clued me in was the last name. I said, well, I know that last name. That's my father's last name. So that's, so I just reached out and then we started communicating. And so far it's been pretty cool. Um, we'll try to meet at some point. So we'll see how that goes and hopefully get some questions answered on both sides. But she's been very cool about it. Um, she was definitely initially shocked, just like I was. But I was probably more excited than shocked. And it confirmed what my mom has told me growing up. So I was kind of like, all right, mom, she was straight up with me. So, um, so yeah, that was but my that experience. That is cool how it's like this, it's technology is, is mm -hmm. bridging the you know the gap like i came to terms that a long time ago prior to taking the test like i'm just not going to meet my biological family like I'm like whatever like it is what it is like i'm not paying a private investigator like thousands of dollars like i, I came to terms with that but i mm -hmm. got it for a christmas present from dear girlfriend nyasha and um spit in the cup yeah. got it back and then you know i got the results i reached out and surprisingly people are really like they communicate with you on there like i reached mm -hmm. out to a couple people who are high up with the on the dna bloodline and you know i got back one of them was my brother i linked with him time to time we had an awesome time going snowboarding uh, yeah. just recently. shout out to uh, my nephew whose name is actually cameron as well oh that's what's up yeah, that's like look at the irony in, in that. That was really, um, it's really awesome. But the experiences, um, yeah, it opened a lot of doors. Something um, I'm really excited about. But I have another question for you. So, considering many African Americans do not hail from a certain country, how do your results shape your view of yourself? Oh, before I hold on, before we do that. Okay. Like, why don't you, why don't you, uh, you want to share your results? Yeah, yeah, hold on, let me pull them up real quick. Okay. In the meantime, I took a screenshot of mine, and I'll just, uh, I'll go over mine real quick. All right, I'll so, do that later, too, so we can have it in a uh, visual. Okay, so I'm 40% Nigerian, and this changes, like, I guess as I get more data, it changes. So I'm 40% Nigerian, 23% Cameroon, Congo, Southern, Bantu people. And then 9% Senegal. This is something I'm going to have to um, check research on, on this nation because I'm not too familiar. Um, I'm 8% from Malai because I, I hail from uh, Masa Musa, the, the <laughs> history. So 8% Benin, Togo. And then surprisingly, I'm 8% uh, from England, Wales, and Northern Europe. 2% Ireland and Scottish. And hold on, there's more. And then I'm evidently 1% uh, Germanic Europe. Oh, and 1% Southeast Asia. So these were very, uh, these are interesting. Once you get to the, to the more, to the ones that are, are a bit further away from Africa. And mm -hmm. it, it was really cool learning about myself is just from where in Africa, you know, what yeah. region, how far away from the coast, you know, 
it that was really insightful because again african american is just a general term it's just like saying you know you're the coagulated combination of you know all the slaves we we brought over you have no nation you know except america but this was really cool what you do you have yours up yeah i'll do mine to answer your question um so i we got some similarities so the biggest percentage is uh cameroon congo and southern bantu peoples that's 34 percent uh nigeria 20 percent german 14 percent wow which is ironic because I that was know. on your that was on your dream list from after korea you really wanted to go to germany no it was crazy wow, that you were drawn there and, and you have that large percent in your ancestry what else you got on there you're gonna laugh at this one 11 percent italy 11 percent italian mm-hmm. i could see that you made your way to you, you made sure you, you made your way to italy too <laughs> so i, I got i got a seven percent molly um england wales and northwestern europe three percent ireland scotland three percent senegal one percent france one percent ghana one percent this is where this is from ghana yeah that's a really flash shirt i like that yeah my mom got it for a gift shout out to you mom um one percent indigenous america yucatan peninsula i don't know if i said that right yeah is that south america you said not well it's kind of let me see on the map Ah, it's like Central America, a little bit. I'm gonna say it sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm trying to see what kind. No, it's, it's Mexico. Yeah, okay. So it's by Belize. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so let me see what else. Uh, go down. I got a couple more. One percent Portugal. Um, one percent Benin. I think I'm saying it right. In Togo. Benin? Uh, yeah, Benin. I said it. Okay. And then Northern Africa, 1%. Ironically, that's where I'm trying to go this year. And then 1% Finland. This is new. This wasn't up here before. Because it keeps adjusting. So this has changed since I initially did it. Um, and then the other communities I wanted to share, this will segue right into the question you asked, was additional communities. So you were talking about reparations. Should we use this as a tool mm-hmm. to provide reparations for African-Americans or Black Americans, um, use this as a way to qualify them for reparations by using DNA. So I would say yes. And it's interesting. These results are interesting too. So it said additional communities, North, uh, let's see, early North Carolina, African-Americans. So all these regions are tied Mm -hmm. to slavery. Heavily. Indeed, a lot of plantations. Yeah, so it was like North the North Carolina, South Carolina, that's really heavy in my African-American. That's like w- where a lot of the slavery came into, big ports like Charleston and Virginia, stuff like that. So it was pretty fascinating. So yeah, I would agree we would do some kind of DNA testing for reparations. My additional communities say mid-Atlantic coast African-Americans. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's a screenshot. I may have to go into that a bit later. Yeah, but I probably, totally agree. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying I totally agree. Um, not necessarily Ancestry.com. Perhaps, you know, we could work out a contract. 
in the future to get something more granular yeah. like on um on the regions but i definitely definitely believe that dna testing can be used to link uh you know heritage to to um to see who's descends from slaves and yeah. again I, I want to to emphasize if that individual is still you know they're just Financially, they're not where they're supposed to be. It could very well stem from, you know, just um, recovering from from slavery. Like, yeah, it's um, you know, if if, if your grandmother was messed up in the game and, and her kid was messed up, and then next and next and next, and you have this cycle of life that perpetually spins to the twenty twenty, like. It's um, when you come from a messed up situation and you have no assistance, it's um, that it's gonna be a tough cycle to break. And and I see it, I've seen it yeah. in my life, so I know it's um, me too, it, it can occur longer, longer than that. But, um, that's I'm gonna just throw a little interjection, stay for tuned for February because February is gonna be on fire. Like, this is just like a little preview of what we're going to be talking about. Well, not for nothing. They give us the shortest month like of the year. I'm taking January 31st. I'm kicking Black History Month off that. And I may take March 1st, too. Yeah. I'm with it. So, um, okay. So, yeah, but I asked, um, how do you, how did um, any, for instance, your European and uh, your European how does that change your perception of yourself? Well, shout out to my mom. She's always told me like, hey, your dad was biracial. Mm-hmm. So uh, more than likely you have those elements as well. And this just basically confirmed what my mom said. But I can answer something I couldn't explain, which was, and you alluded to it. We talked about our follow on assignments in the Air Force. I remember mm-hmm. and I said, yo, I cannot wait to get to Europe. And I was really excited about it. And you and Stu looked at me like, dude. And then that's where I got, <laughs> that's where I got the name Day Slayer. But that's all I'm gonna give y'all. <laughs> that's where I got that name from. Camera uh, yeah. uh, bestowed that on me, and it's <laughs> funny because I will be honest. When I got to Germany, I remember feeling very comfortable. I couldn't explain it, and I kind of chalked it up to, well, I've been overseas now. I'm already adjusted, so. But it wasn't like that. And once I really chilled out and kind of dug into German culture a little bit, like starting to learn how to speak it, understand it, read it, it just came kind of natural. And then I was like, yo. And then I remember leaving and I was booing like a little baby. I was boohooing like crazy. And I'm like, why? Why this place versus Korea? You know what and I'm saying? So. Did you see any family, German family, German people pop up on your. Uh... On not not necessarily. 14% is pretty uh, 14% is pretty high. You know, you know popped up more Italians actually, and they were only seven percent. I seen more of them pop up than Germans, so I don't know how that plays out, but that's pretty wild. Hold on, I want to um use this to segue into into, into my other question. Okay. Um, so considering most people are not pure in race. How will getting details on ancestry affect the white supremacist agenda? I think it forces you to critically look at why are you upholding this power structure, this 
oppression when everybody has uniqueness about them that makes this world interesting like you gotta just let dead the old shit like i'm gonna just put it just like that like you really trying to uphold this when you find out you're middle eastern or you're from a country in africa or you're from somewhere in asia like why would you want to hold on to this old way of thinking when you got all this wealth uh adventure um mystery you got all these things to look forward to actually so i think it should pretty much dead that shit um, um i mean like um if people start taking it they're they're in their little hate groups or whatever and then they find out they're like 10 percent black or something like that do you think they would still cling to their values or those values like that's gotta be like you know it's how can it just you're hating a piece of yourself you know Basically. um <laughs> self-hate so, so to speak i don't know i'm just curious how that would monkey wrench the, the that whole agenda me, or affect it at all let me throw this at you real quick so i i was doing some research because you asked that question i was like let me see if i can find like somebody on youtube finding out these results it was very hard to really find that what i did find was the story of thomas jefferson and his descendants all meeting and to see i gotta find a clip and we might post like a little bit of it in the visual like a small clip of it but to see how they came together over this ugly history like basically all the black descendants from the sally hemmings who he who thomas jefferson basically was raping let's keep it on it's like she was in a hostage situation she was a slave that wasn't a consensual relationship let's go ahead and put that out there and she was underage so to speak but times were different then so i will give that caveat to that so to see those families come together and the white side of the family reaching out and actually having a family union to have everybody together and then build a relationship and then they both agree that yo the past is ugly it's nasty but the present and the future is bright because we came together we figured now, when this, did this out. reunion occur when did they come i think together? in the 90s i think wow, the, first, really? the first one where all the families came together it might have been like 99 or 94 or something like that something to that that's effect. actually pretty cool that's and the cool. interesting thing about the black side right so they had the i forgot his name but he looks just like thomas jefferson it's fucking creepy when I was a kid, I jumped on Thomas Jefferson's bed. Shannon Lanier is also Jefferson's sixth great grandson, but he's from Sally Hemings' side. My story is a little different from Lucian's <laughs> because when we were studying the presidents in second grade, I stood up and I proudly said, Thomas Jefferson is my great, 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 great grandfather. And the teacher said, sit down and stop telling lies. Come on out and meet your relatives. In 1998, Truscott met his Hemings cousins for the first time on The Oprah Winfrey Show. And Oprah turns to me and she says, well, Lucian, now you met your Hemings cousins. What are you going to do now? And I went, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You know? <laughs> and so I invited him to come to Monticello for the family reunion. He was bringing the slaves and the slave owners, children, descendants together for the first time. So there were a lot of people that did not want that to happen. And it also could mean that their possible icon, that Jefferson was a rapist. And they didn't want that to be their ancestor. They didn't want that to be their hero. Stand up here. Like he's just a black version of him. You look at his face. And I was watching him talk. I was like, yo, this dude look like Thomas Jefferson. It's wild. So. He's strange. 
And they also change. What I like about it, and this is why they need to teach history in a whole, like as a whole, because mm -hmm. what they did was Monticello, um, their tours with slavery and all that, they actually started saying slavery. They actually added more information. They actually started presenting this. And now when people go on tours, they say, hey, this is where slaves live. This is who built this house with slaves. Like right. they incorporated. So they changed the narrative to give people the full context of what happened. And I think that's the best thing going right there. And I think um, that's something that we're going to have to keep doing. Like yeah. More and enhancing the, that perspective of, of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. What you got for me? I think I, I, I shot all my questions at you. You got any for me? Yeah. All right. So there's skeptics about DNA testing and evidence. How do you feel about it? Mm -hmm. Well, as a uh, big believer in science, um, I like to think to, to an extent that it's quite valid. Like um, DNA is is it's difficult to to replicate it's uh mm. you can get so much information from from dna i forget a fun fact they said like if you stretch the strand of dna because there's so much information it would literally stretch from the earth to the moon but um it's just yeah someone's blowing my eye masses up that's annoying <laughs> But um, I believe in DNA. I think it can be, it's being used to, for crimes, you know, DNA crimes. It's using to convict people. It's also being used to get people off. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. When the courts accept it, when the courts accept DNA evidence to let people off of death row, to let people, uh, you, know, off of, uh, you know, off of murders and things of that nature, like, it's, it's very powerful. It's valid. And, and I, I, I believe in it. Okay, my next question real quick. Um, how do you feel about Ancestry having your DNA privacy-wise? Like the privacy aspect. Oh, and there's that. <laughs> so after I spit in the cup, yeah, that's when the wheels started turning. Like they have my DNA and um, they could very well go into it and, and um, get a lot, extract a lot of data, a lot of information, you know, just from what's in, in, in my saliva. DNA, like my, my health, you mm -hmm. can get a lot of information from that. So in this grim uh, dystopian future that some people foresee is that our data is going to be used against us. like. If you're buying burgers and Oreos and donuts every day and an insurance company gets that information, that data, then they, they may very well raise your insurance policies. If you're wearing your iWatch, but you're just sitting on the couch all day, every day, and you're not being active and this data um, gets to into the hands of the right people, they'd be like, yeah, your insurance policy also goes to the roof. You know, it's uh, data is the new oil, I believe Mark Cuban said. Mm, okay. um, data on my, my ancestry, data on my uh, just biological data is mm. um, it's concerning. And I think this is we need to have another discussion on how to legislate that in the, in the future. 
because mm-hmm. everyone's sitting in cups, not knowing where uh, this thing's gonna go. But to answer your question, yeah, I have some concerns on mm-hmm. it. I could totally see how it could be used. Like if our browsing history and uh, you know our Facebook data can be used uh, inappropriately, I'm I'm very sure that someone can find a way to abuse our uh, our our DNA. Um, I think that's all I had. Really? Oh, one more thing. So, do you think the discovery of well, uh, relatives could make or break family secrets by using this kind of service? Absolutely. I am the family secret. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, I'll leave it at that. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you really got to think, what are the odds, though, that my brother spit in the cup and then I spit in the cup, too? And it's like, if he didn't, I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't have known, or I wouldn't have known he he existed, and I don't think he he would have known about me, you know. Yeah. But um, to answer your question, absolutely, and um, I think it's more so for for the kids. I've I've yet to reach out to my biological mother, but it's like building with my brother was cool because you know there's no type of there's no type of people aren't feeling some type of way like my sister. She mm-hmm. also uh, met her biological family, and she, she mentioned there was some uh, some turbulence with her mother at first. And like, I don't think I'm ready to, to, to go through that. So I'm like, I'll build with build with my brother, you know, to build with my sister, and uh, you know, perhaps eventually uh, reach out to, to mommy dearest. I, but, I um, think uh, I think I'm gonna take that approach too, start with my sister, and then see what happens from there. I think I think how you did it is very smart. Um, whoever kind of openly welcomes you and like is encouraged or curious, yeah, willing to do, I think that's who you start with first and just kind of build your way up. So yeah, that's a good blueprint actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was a uh, this was very fun uh, to discuss. Shout out to the you know long lost family. This is really Where, great uh, meeting all you so what are we discussing next? I think it's the ambassador president. Yeah. So, okay, world, if, if you didn't know, I'm independently running for president of the United States. And uh, this podcast is, is more or less the scope of, of my campaign as I'm not a billionaire and, or a Democrat or Republican. I don't have a party backing me. So my way to reach y'all is through this podcast. And at the moment, I am... Um, well, I do have a, 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 a girlfriend. We are not married or engaged. So I would very much be a bachelor president upon taking the White House. So I just <laughs> want to discuss that scenario real quick yeah. and just you know, go through that little thought exercise. But let me, uh, let me throw one at you real quick. Okay. So could America handle the lifestyle of a bachelor president? Okay, I'm gonna throw this fun fact at you. The only vice, uh, the only president is James Buchanan, the 15th president. That's the only lifelong bachelor as a president. I, I just, thought there was none, but that I thank you for clarifying that, James yeah. Buchanan. Now, when 15th presidency was was that in like the 1920s? No, no, no. 1857 to 1860. Yeah, I'm not, I'm totally off. <laughs> it's all good. It's a 18- lot of. So in the 1870s, you're saying? Well, 1850s to 60s. That's when he was a national president. Yeah. Right before the Emancipation Proclamation, basically. It's like two years 
he was out of office two years before that actually happened. Interesting. I couldn't imagine the times at that time and what it would be like to be a uh, bachelor in, in those times. But yeah, but do you think now in 2020, like, <laughs> you think America could handle that? Like, with our conservative values and, and things of that nature? I think they would definitely be questioning it. I think we could. You just have to see how it plays out. It's one of them wait and see things. Hmm. You have to get in there, get in the office, and then they're just going to see how you move and then go well, from there. That's determine that. Like, part of the package for running for president is your spouse. True. And it's like, that's always been, you, you, you're on a campaign trail, you got your spouse, you got your kids, you have mm-hmm. to have that politician family. Like, now, you know, that's, it's, it's always been a, a, a married man's game. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the perception is that a man of, of that age should be married with, you know, and, and things of that nature. Like, could they handle someone who is divorced and a bachelor? Like, I think uh, who was widowed. So we had a widowed president, too. Interesting. So that would be the same. Let's see. It's a bit different. Yeah. It's a bit, the, the stigma on that is I think there'd be a, a high sense of pity for, uh, for the individual rather than someone who just chose not to get married. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think Grover... Cleveland? Cleveland, yeah, that's another one. He uh, was a bachelor or a widow? I think he was... widow, let's see... Uh, Thomas Jefferson. Elected as a widow and Martin Van Buren. Interesting. Uh, Andrew Jackson was married at the time of his election but became a widow while he was in there. And then Chester A. Arthur, another one widowed. So, widows is totally different than, you know, again, like than being a bachelor. But my question for you is like, do you you think? Mm hmm. Like, I don't think they could, because you gotta think we live in the social media age. Also, the yeah. age of information. It's a whole lot different. So, like, I don't know. I think because <laughs> if, um, if the president is a reflection of the, the American people, mm-hmm. like, there are countless people out there who are, who are bachelors, who have been divorced, or, you know, who have a, who have a girlfriend. Or bachelorettes, throw that out there. Bachelorettes, but in, in, in this particular, it pertains to myself. Like you know, I'm, Sir. I'm a, I'm a bachelor. Yeah. But, um, I think they could handle it. I you think times are changing. Politicians are getting younger. Sure. Uh, being more dynamic, more bold, more more themselves, and as as you say, um. I am who I am, so I'm not getting married just for the sake of uh, being a better political candidate. But ready sure. or not, I am, whether you can handle me or not. <laughs> All right, I'll hit you with one. Why do you think there's a negative stigma to being a single president, which we kind of touched on, but... Um... Because I'm not recording a podcast, I will call you back. 
Pardon the interruption. <laughs> um, why did you say there's a negative? Um, yeah, why do you think it's a negative with... stigma around that? Like you have to be married and have kids. To hit because the... again, it's like they're the American values. They they really uphold the the value of of the family, pooling incomes, joining, being being a family, and, and um, that's. That's American, and that was, or at least the 1950s, American. Mm-hmm. But like now we have what divorce rates are over 50 percent, and it's like, you know, we know about prenups. We know they don't always work, and we know that you know when you get divorced, they get in half. So it's mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, I'm very reluctant to get into uh, another marriage. Mm-hmm. And- um, at the same time, taking my time to build and get to know an individual, you know, and uh, before making that that leap, I think that's a better choice. Mm-hmm. But um, I think perhaps America sees marriage as stability, but it could be, you know, a toxic marriage is not uh, that's not stable. Sure. It could be doing uh, more harm, harm than good, but that's I don't know. Let me throw one at you. Could a girlfriend perform first lady duties? Would she be called the first lady? Or first girlfriend? First girlfriend. That would be her call sign. Yeah, they would. America would definitely say first girlfriend. They're not gonna give her that first lady title. (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. First girlfriend is not. Does that does that mean there's it could be a second girlfriend? No. <laughs> I think they would yeah. love the scandal, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That it'll be very. The media would love the scandal. But yeah. nah, you gotta you gotta keep it keep it clean. But uh, you know, I guess uh, let me transition to another question. Who? Okay. Well, you already mentioned there's been one bachelor president, so I'm just gonna go to my follow up one. Mm-hmm. Like, who do you think was the closest or most scandalous uh, president? Like who, who behaved more like a, a bachelor? Kennedy. I've heard. I was gonna just jump to that uh, because yeah. I, I heard you know he he's been with movie stars and singers and you know like a lot of famous people. But he he kind of moved like a bachelor, but he was smooth with it. And I like that, or at least in you know the public eye, that him and his wife kept it cordial. You know she might have been giving him hell behind the scenes. <laughs> But, oh yeah, best believe you did. She wasn't, she wasn't acting up, and uh, you know she understood that he had a, a power, posi- powerful position to maintain, and an appearance. And then you could, you could swing it back to the Clintons, like getting head in, in the Oval Office. That's that's gangster, and yes. I intend to do that too. But like, um, I mean, not like with an intern and you yeah. know, against. Behind my, my yeah, he kind of took the wrong path, but the idea of it ain't bad, you know, just with the wrong person. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, like, um, again, you're you're in the. I manage a very difficult job, and everyone wants to point their fingers at, at the presidents and all the scandalous stuff they did. They got a hard job. They got a lot of power, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, like. I'm dealing with Cuban Missile Crises over here, and you know, like, all this, you got civil rights on here, and then all this madness, like, I- I'm gonna need some sloppy in the Oval Office, like, just to clear my head. 
<laughs> Literally, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Pun totally intended. intended. That actually wasn't intended, but I'll run with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I agree on Kennedy then, huh? All right, so I'm going to throw this one out there because we the other question, we already covered on it. So this last one for me. Um, what would be some of the pitfalls of being a single president? Um, I suppose I'll go back to the, um, that common saying behind every powerful man is a powerful woman. Like that, that's real talk. And that's true. And big shout out to Nye. I know, um, she endures uh, a lot of, you know, my my negative traits but like at the same time she's she's really pushing me to you know to do great things to answer your question like not having that type of support like again most power powerful job very difficult very stressful you need that support you you need that uh that that i don't want to say intimacy but like it's one thing to have, you know, a great chief of staff, which I know you will be, Chris. But it's another thing having a whore. It's cool. another thing to have, a, you know, a, a lovely lady at your side pushing you to, to go further, you know, for mutual objectives. So I think uh, that would be the weakness to not having um, a significant okay. other. And I don't think it has to be a wife. It doesn't have to be a wife. That's interesting. I like That's or interesting to say because you got to also consider, like, we are sexually diverse now as a nation. Yeah. <laughs> so you bring up a great point. It could be a life partner. It could be a domestic partner. Yeah. You know, these kind of things. So that's yeah. a good point. It's, uh, it's the sense of partnership. Mm -hmm. Regardless if you're married or not, it's the sense of partnership is what I think is uh, that would be most beneficial to uh, to running, um, running the free world. Like... Now, I think the public would have more concern for a president who had no girlfriend, no wife, no pets. You know, like, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, like, I don't know. But um, I, I think they could handle a bachelor president. I'd be on my best behavior. <laughs> Any other questions for me? I mean, that was it for me. No, nah, I think we knocked that one out, man. Um, see, you're not sneezing over there, are you? Nah, I'm you good. Okay, I'll just make sure you don't have that coronavirus, man. Let's get to it. Well, so I guess, um, as I mentioned, we got the all clear over here. No no detection of the coronavirus at the moment. But um, I just want to talk about that so because this has the potential to be an epidemic. And epidemics are no fun. So where does this come from? I you got know? you. Uh, the virus appears to have originated from the Hunan I think I'm saying it right. Seafood wholesale market in Wuhan, a Chinese city 650 miles from the south of Beijing that has a population of more than 11 million people. That's crazy. It's mm -hmm. like 20% bigger than New York City, the biggest city in America. That's wild. And they're saying the market sells fish as well as a panoply of meat and other animals, including bats and snakes. So they're saying it's kind of like the SARS virus that happened back in the day. It's related to that. It's like a combination of that and something else. Interesting. Now, um, I heard what was wild about at least the exposure in America, because this virus has hit America, particularly in Chicago. They said the, the infection quadrupled 
in like two days or something. Like、mm. the amount of people that are infected, and when you're considering that type of exponential growth, that's what raises a concern on why it could be so so deadly. And、mm. as the world has gotten smaller, people are traveling, and、mm. I understand the incubation period is a bit longer. Like you're not by the time you're coughing and sneezing, that's not really when you're spreading the virus. Well, you're t- you're typically doing it, but it's like when you're at your prime and you're feeling all good. And your interaction and your mingling—that's when it's spreading, and you have that incubation period. It's a bit of a delay, and then, you know, you have this. Well, these are the symptoms for you people want to know: runny nose, headache, cough, sore throat, fever, and a general feeling of unwell being or un being unwell. And the interesting thing is, we've had the worst flu season on top of that yes, in years. So you combine the coronavirus with flu season; it's been horrible. Like that's a recipe for like panic, unfortunately. Well, my best advice is keep one of those hand sanitizers on your keychain. Wash that every time. But my understanding is,、um, it's spread by human contact, right? I think it was like. Because it spreads from animals to humans, it's like one of the only thing viruses that does that. Because some of them can't transmit to each other. But I mean, it's not like an airborne, like like it's this thing's floating in the air. I think it's it's spread from contact, from touching. But let me um,、so. let's 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 do a quick、uh, Google search. All right, I'll ask you another question while you're doing that. Okay, how? Let me voice command it. Okay. How is coronavirus spread? Yeah. In terms of how one would catch the virus, the CDC says that human coronaviruses are mostly spread between an infected person and other via their the air. Oh, so it is airborne. That sucks. From viral particles from a cough or a sneeze, close person contact, touching and shaking hands. Yes,、yeah, so、we fist bumping from.、Uh, <laughs> now, 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 time for、uh, the coronavirus, but at the same time,、um, I don't know. You, you, I may、uh, put the mask on、yeah. just to,、uh, you know, when you're going out to to social pop densely populated areas, you know, where everyone's sneezing and coughing and, and, and stuff. But um, something to consider. Um, I guess I ask you a question. As president, how would you handle this type of situation? Oh Lord. It's um okay. Let's look at the facts right now.、Mm-hmm. Do you know how many are infected like right now? Do they have it up to like it should be about a hundred people total? All right. Because it's something relatively new. You know、mm-hmm. how、uh, defenders are. We like to cordon off everything. I want、mm-hmm. cordon quarantine and、um, really examine this thing, and, and until we can find out how to mitigate it, slow it down, and eliminate it. But、um, yeah, so mentioned the cordon quarantine. Now there's this thing about I don't want to say travel bans, but we're、mm-hmm. gonna need some real strict screening in the airports. That's gonna suck because it's gonna slow things down. It's also gonna encourage people not to fly. But、um, obviously, this thing associated abroad is already on our, our on our home front. 
we have to stop further entry. So, um, I don't recall what it was. Maybe it was the swine flu. Mm-hmm. I was flying around um, Asia in that time, and then on the airports, they're doing strict tests. I think they're checking people's temperatures and, and stuff like that, too. But we got to find a way to just do some screening, set up a meeting with the CDC. I'll make sure you're, you're looped in on that, CG. And no. um, we'll just, uh, they would know how to, uh, to, set these these uh, screening measures up better than I but this is something that would definitely be on our agenda to discuss like we are in a very close community and um, as I mentioned super growth quadruple um, spreading and within a certain amount of time that's exponential growth it's, it's a matter of days before an entire city is infected so cordoning and screening uh, if I will probably have some additional measures you know in, in the meeting Gotcha. Um, let's see. What do you got for me? Give me one moment. Okay, so could this be biological warfare? Somebody has floated out, float, floated that out there. Um, You're right. I saw it on that Twitter uh, feed mm-hmm. that you uh, you tagged me in, and it made me. Uh, I let it marinate, and you know, considering the, the tension between the United States and China, like, um, what do you think? Are people going to turn into <laughs> zombies? Because <laughs> this really starts to sound like a Resident Evil movie. Yeah, well, we we already took did a podcast, so we hope you guys listened to that one. I forgot what number episodes because we've done so many now at this point. Halloween uh-huh. special, I believe. Yeah, it was. Um possibility i'm not gonna jump to that immediately mm-hmm. i will have that kind of in the back of my head like okay that is a possibility you got to look at the whole picture and then figure out what's what connected dots so i'll leave it as a far possibility that's how i would leave it and i suppose uh, to some extent biological warfare is supposed to be obscure mm-hmm. you know unless you're like in osan and um I don't know, whoever in charge is shooting the ordinance down in mop form. But yeah, yeah, um, that's you're right. This is something to consider. Perhaps, um, you know, CDC and um, also Central Intelligence or Intel is considering um, considering it, but. I think I think just do your due diligence like like what we're doing now. Just do mm-hmm. that. Um, and just be on standby, basically. You're like, all right, or up the threat level or whatever the case. Just slightly be like, yo, just stay aware, stay vigilant. And I think, um, again, the best thing that uh, that we can do, hand sanitizer, eat lots of fruit, just keep your immune system pumping, keep it banging, eat some greens, some alkaline vegetables, yeah. all that good stuff. Uh, drink alkaline water. Viruses have a, they struggle to live in an alkaline environment. Um, yeah, just try to take the, the best care of yourself. I have one more question for you. All right, I got one for you, too. So, um, let's just say this thing goes viral, unintended, and it's like, it's going, it's, you know, it's affecting everybody. People are dying left and right. But lo and behold, a wondrous pharmaceutical company comes out with the, the one and only vaccination. For it. Mm-hmm. Get it? Would you take it? I guess you kind of have to. Also, keep in mind this is like 
the perfect opportunity to mass inoculate the, the entire population was was something. That's the tough part about it. We gotta do an episode on vaccinations too. Uh, we have a, a, a lovely young lady uh, who agreed to discuss vaccines with us. So um, okay. gonna be, I still gotta schedule the date with that and we, we can elaborate, but do or All die right. right now. I have the pill, not the pill. I have the, the, the vaccine right here. Are you gonna take it? Probably, yeah, human nature is self-preservation. Well, nice knowing you. I'm taking my ass to Alaska. <laughs> you guys turn the zombies on your own time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tricky because you you I'm just going off the scenario you gave me like right now. It's like human nature more than like as skeptical as I am and all that. Mm-hmm. I know me. I'd probably like just in case and and then do what you said on the contingency level. But I could see I me saying I would bug out. I wouldn't take it. Yeah, I don't know. I say that now. Who could say? Yeah, but you got a question for me? Oh yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I had two actually. I didn't realize this. Uh, is this a start of a whole new era of viruses and diseases? Difficult to say because I mean, I'm I'm haven't got my PhD, but it sounds very much like the flu. Don't see anything unless. They turn into zombies, and yeah. like I haven't seen anything new. But what do you think? Uh, yeah, it seems like more of a Frankenstein kind of flu slash with the SARS virus. <laughs> I was kind of reading up on it a little bit, yeah. like a Frankenstein. I guess that does kind of concern me. That also you got to remember, viruses are like organisms, so they, they evolve yeah. just like we do. So it's kind of that part makes me nervous. Like, damn, these shits adjust to us. There's super bugs and super germs. Like there's bacteria that's now like antibiotic resistant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what do you do for that? Like, yeah. And then, you know, as you mentioned, these these viruses, they are they evolve faster than than we do. And here's why I don't take vaccines. Mm-hmm. Or this this is just my hypothesis. It's like you have your vaccination. Cool. You got it in the lab. Cool. You got to go through marketing. Then you have to go through so much uh, red tape to get it approved. I heard it can be up to 10 years till you wow. can pull out of the vaccination. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm sorry, not a vaccination, but pharmaceutical drugs. Not too sure on the window for on the timeline for vaccines. Mm-hmm. Long story short, that organism, that virus can evolve substantially. From by the time you roll out the vaccine, you get it through marketing, you get it to CVS and wherever you're, you're distributing, that organism can can evolve. Like uh, uh, far from there, now you have you have something in there that's that's long gone. You know, I don't know. I th- I think um, again uh, we're kind of sneak peeking into our, our vaccine episode in the future, but it's like there's got to be a way to make the body stronger. Mm-hmm. Well, you have critics on both sides, and I present real quick both sides. Mm-hmm. You got the pro vaccination said, "Well, that's the point of getting vaccinations to keep up with the ever evolving uh, threats of disease and whatever." And then you have the anti-vaccine, which you were saying, "Well, pretty much we have everything in nature we need to where we don't even need vaccines. Technically, really, we don't. We can go get a plant or whatever, and we're good." So, I don't really, I don't know. I, again, this is, a, I'm going to have to do my due diligence prior to that episode. 
But um, after being shot full of drugs yes. <laughs> for my entire military career, yes. yeah. for them, like the plague, fun intended. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yo, this you got anything else? Because we 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 are hitting close to our time. Mark. Oh, okay. Yeah. Real quick, uh, do you ever think globally will eradicate all diseases in all forms? Yes. Um, with the emergence of, uh, how do you say, super intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, remember I said it takes like 10 years to roll out pharmaceutical drugs? They're cutting that down to like a year now because the my understanding of these AIs, they can like get the formulas like to their, like perfect. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're, they're cutting the process down on that. So um, when AI gets smarter, when we can start using nanobots, manipulating matter on an, an, on a molecular level, like a virus is short work. You send an army of nanobots, tear this thing apart. And then, yes, when about, <laughs> who could say? And I, here's, the thing, here's the thing you gotta consider. After we do that, there's most likely going to be other shit we're gonna have to worry about. Yay, we cured AIDS and cancer, but the the nanobots, the nanobots are bugging the fuck out. Like now you gotta deal with that. So it's like, yeah, disease, all that stuff. We're gonna cure it, but there will be other hurdles in the future. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. No, I was gonna say I was gonna just throw a a, a year date out. I say like 2050 to 2060. I could see that because they're saying 2045 is when we sh- are on track to have a sentient artificial intelligence, meaning an artificial, a simulated brain, like a brain that's as cognitive and aware as you and I, but it's it's made out of silicon. So this thing is going to be godly, superhuman, and it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, that's, um, let's hope it's on our side. <laughs> that's all i got man yo but this was a fire episode man i can't wait to, to publish and put this out everybody thank you for uh for hanging out with us you yeah. know uh, we we really appreciate you watching and supporting our show giving us feedback and you know helping us upgrade america but yo regarding this virus man like wash your hands before you eat simple stuff but it can, it'll go a long way as security yeah. forces, you know, we used to eat in the dirt, man. <laughs> covered, in, covered in mud and stuff. A little hand sanitizer, a little water in your hands go a long way. Yeah. You know? But um, stay blessed and enjoy your day or, or evening wherever you are in the world. And do your best to upgrade America. Peace. Peace. <laughs>